And after the service, Ray Prinny said, I heard somewhere that when one horse pulls something, it can pull so much, and when two horses, it can pull so much. And he said, have you heard that? And I said, no. We're going to have to Google that. Well, I didn't Google it, but he did. And a single draft horse can pull a load up to 8,000 pounds. When it yokes up with another one, the two draft horses together, you would naturally think they'd pull 16,000 pounds. Actually, they pull three times what one can. Two draft horses can pull 24,000 pounds together. If they are trained in tandem, if they really work together, they can pull 32,000 pounds, a load four times as heavy as either of the horses could pull by themselves. And Jesus said, come yoke up with me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He's providing all the power. We're just kind of along for the ride in reality. But if that's true with horses, can you imagine what it is with Christ? And um, so many lessons there, the aspect of teamwork and um, working together and um, seeing how God works. In Psalm 37, we're going to look tonight at a picture or a portrait of meekness. And meekness is really, really manifests itself, as we mentioned this morning, when difficulties come in life, when, when things don't go the way we want them to. And the first phrase of Psalm 37 really um, shows how relevant all this is. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Do you ever catch yourself fretting because of evildoers? Um, saying that just isn't right and how do they get by with that and... Um, I, I can remember traveling years ago to various countries, and they would, if it come around to talk of political, they would say, "Oh, our our government is so corrupt." And and here lately, I've been just saying, "Wow, we are where everyone else has been." And it's easy to get so troubled by it and filled with anxiety and. And um, agitated by it. And this isn't anything new. It's always been the same. But this is where meekness will show forth. It's, uh, as we said this morning, part of it is accepting what God has dealt in our lives. But he says here, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. 
Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as thy light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yes, you shall diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of the peace. Notice he says in verse 11, really... Jesus is quoting that in his Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. The meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We said meekness is strength under control. It is submitting ourselves to God. It is that strength controlled by God, getting the strength from God so that... um, we are able to um, not only attempt great things for God, but to bring great glory to God. But you notice some of the characteristics of meekness that it's manifested here. First of all, the meek do not fret because of evildoers. Now, absolutely, there are things humanly to fret about. But the meek understands the evildoers may honestly be prospering in this life. But the meek understands how everything is going to end. Notice it says, verse 2, Why should we not fret because of evildoers? For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And throughout Scripture, we're continually reminded how do things end. Psalm 73, the psalmist again said, I was upset and troubled. The wicked seemed to prosper until I understood their end. And the reason that we do not fret, a meek person says, God is in control. As we said this morning, a characteristic of meekness is trusting God with the results, knowing God is in control. God will make all things right. And if they indeed are wicked, they, they will be short-lived. They'll be cut down like the grass and wither is the green herb. So he says, don't fret because of evildoers. Then notice verse 3. Another aspect of meekness is trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. First of all, trust in the Lord. We sang 
trust His Word. When the pathway um, is unclear, trust His Word. When you're filled with doubts and fears, trust His Word. There are many, many times in our life that we have to come back and say, God, I don't understand it, but I am depending on this truth. And I am putting my roots down in this truth. I trust your word. And we oftentimes think trust means that it doesn't involve a whole lot from us. No, it, it, is, it is our faith that we say, I am depending on what you said, God. You said it. I believe it. And there, I'm, I'm not going to debate it. It's there. I am trusting you. Philippians chapter 4 gives us kind of another take on these first few verses in, in Psalm 37. He said, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't be fretting. Don't be filled with all these things. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. That's part of trusting. God, here's something that, that my heart is prone to be, be filled with anxiety. It's prone to be troubled about. I am bringing it to you. I am casting all my care upon you. And I am trusting you as my shepherd, as my father, as my king, as the perfect one. I am trusting that your ways are perfect. But notice what he says, trust in the Lord and do good. They, they are hand in hand. It is not, oh, I'm, I'm just trusting God. I, I still remember in, in college you'd have your dorm devotions and your room devotions and they'd take prayer requests and I remember a kid saying pray that I'd get a job and afterwards I I said to him where have you applied well I haven't applied anywhere and I thought boy this is a my father always said there's a thin line between faith and stupidity and I found where that line was right there Trusting God doesn't mean you don't do anything. Can God just drop a job out of nowhere? Absolutely. But trust in the Lord and do good. Trusting the Lord it means that, that we actually put feet to our faith and, and we live out our faith. It's not what we know, but what we do that makes the difference. What we know ought to be manifested in what we do. And, and it's, it's hand in hand. It's like he put this, right? Trust in the Lord, and it wasn't a whole different thought. Trust in the Lord and do good. While you're trusting in God, you can be doing good. I, I fear that we know it is not of good works. We are not saved by good works. But if there is salvation, our life ought to be filled with good works. And we ought to look, 
How, how can I manifest that I'm trusting in God? What are good works that I can do? How can I do good? How can I bless others? How can I show that I'm trusting Him? Uh, a meek person trusts God and does good. Then, verse 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Be captivated with the Lord and with all that He is, rather than focusing on ourself, rather than focusing on what is around us, rather than focusing on what the world focuses on. Focus on the Lord and delight in Him. What is your number one joy? What is it that, that um, you know... When that happens, or when you're doing that, it just, it just produces joy. To we as believers, our number one delight should be in the Lord. That He was willing to rescue me, and He's willing to minister in my life, and all that He is, and who He is, that's why the psalmist said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We go back to the Snickers illustration. You don't, you don't know how good it is till you eat it. And then when you eat it, it's limited. It's only this big or maybe. How did they ever get where they called those fun size? Fun size to me are like this big. You know what I mean? Those are sample size or skimpy size or whatever, but they call them fun size. With, a, with something like that, earthly, that we delight in, it's limited. But delighting in God, it's like, hey, come delight in the Lord. And a meek person delights in God knowing God is in control. I can rest in Him. I can rejoice in Him. I can continually taste and see that the Lord is good. Charles Spurgeon said, Delight and true religion are as allied as the root and the flower, as indivisible as truth and certainty. They are, in fact, two precious jewels Glittering side by side in a setting of gold. Notice what he said. If, if our walk with God is genuine, delight and our walk with God are as inseparable as the root and the plant and the flower. As in, indivisible. You can't divide it as you can't divide truth from certainty, and he said they are beautiful. Is our delight in the Lord, a meek person has submitted to the Lord and delights in the Lord. Do you understand part of this meekness is, is in realizing, you know what, God's the one in control and I'm not. We, we were talking the other day and reminded, you know, 
besides going to Israel and and seeing that and and all the things there, I really, as I as I look back on it, or when I was in it, I realized, man, I really enjoy this because I don't I don't have any pressure on me. I am not in control. They they tell us what time to get up, where 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 we're going to eat, and where we're going to go. And it was nice. There is a there is a joy in letting and a peace in letting and knowing somebody else is in control. Do you understand? That's the Christian life. That's the Christian life. Letting God be in control. And God, you just tell me. You know, on the other hand, when you're in control, you're on vacation. Where do you want to eat? You want to eat McDonald's, Burger King, Subway? You know, we never say. Do you want to eat at Red Lobster, Fleming's? Um, what's that? Uh, there's other really high. We never say that. But it, where are we going to eat? Oh, I don't know. I don't care. Well, you know, so everybody's you're there. And then you make a decision, and there's always somebody that, eh, it's okay, but I, I was really hoping that I'd get chicken, and they don't sell chicken, or their fries aren't as good as McDonald's, and nobody's fries are as good as McDonald's, right? Some of you don't agree with that, right? But at any rate, there is a peace that comes when you know God is in control, and you delight in this, that the one that is in control is perfect. I delight in Him. And so that means, verse 5, because we delight in Him, we commit our way unto the Lord, and we trust in Him, and He will bring it to pass. We submit to the Lord. Okay, God, I delight in You, and now I'm submitting to You. I mean, you are the best. Why wouldn't I submit? I, I willingly commit my way to you, and, and I'm trusting in you. I, I leave the decisions to you. I yoke up with you, and then I have the power. And then he says in verse 7, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. A meek person is at rest in the Lord, knowing God will take care of his responsibilities. I know God will do his job. And I just need to submit to him. And rest in Him. And we have a Bible full of examples of God doing His job and people resting in Him. We have history full of examples of God doing His job and people resting in Him. And a meek person really has rest and it's, it's that strength under control. It's knowing that God will take care of His responsibilities And I can rest in him.
God is very, very, very competent, and we can rest in Him. Then notice verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. We mentioned this morning, evidence that we haven't given up our rights is that we get angry. We, we are upset that this right is being denied us. And that's why he says a meek person ceases from anger. Why? The wrath of man, James 1.27, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Anger never works the purposes of God. Abraham Lincoln's Secretary of War that we mentioned this morning, Edwin Stanton, was angered by an army officer who, who accused him of favoritism. And Stanton complained to Lincoln about it. And Lincoln suggested that Stanton write the officer a sharp letter. And Stanton agreed and went and did it and strongly worded a, a letter to this uh, officer. And uh, he showed the letter to President Lincoln. And Lincoln read it and he said, um, what are you going to do with it? And surprised, Stanton said, well, I'm going to send it. And Lincoln sh shook his head and said, no, you don't want to send that letter. Put it in the stove. That's what I do when I've written a letter while I'm angry, Lincoln said. It's a good letter. You vented and had a good time while you were writing it, Lincoln said. And right now you feel a little better. Now go and burn it and write him another letter. That's putting away anger. That's keeping it where, where it doesn't blow up. A lady came to Billy Sunday once and said, Well, I, I, I blow up and, and it's over with and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And Billy Sunday said, Yeah, so does a shotgun. Blows up, but it leaves a lot of damage after it does. And you know, Lincoln's advice to this person was cease from anger. If this is what you have to do to cease from anger, don't let it go. Give up your rights. Um, deal with the anger. Ephesians 4 says it this way. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. On the other hand, be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So a meek person ceases from anger and, and understands that it has no place in our lives as we walk with God. And then a meek person truly learns to wait on the Lord. Verse 9, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Throughout this psalm, he says it several times over. Verse 34, wait on the Lord 
and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Waiting on the Lord is understanding God is someday going to make everything right. And I can wait on him. He's going to bring to light, as we mentioned this morning, the hidden things of darkness. He'll make manifest the counsels of the heart. And those that wait upon the Lord, Isaiah says, will renew their strength. A meek person waits on the Lord, and it's not like, okay, God, I'll I'll give you uh, 24 hours, and if I don't see something, then I'm taking it back in my own hand. I've literally had people say, I gave God one year to do something about this, and he didn't do it, and so I'm doing this. That is not waiting on God. That is commanding God, and that is dictating to God, but that is not waiting on God. Waiting on God is, God, I know your timing is perfect, and I I am content to know you will make all things right, and I am I am going to busy myself with my relationship with you and delighting in you and trusting in you and submitting to you and doing good while I'm trusting in you and I'm waiting on you to know you will make all things right. So that Paul wrote to the church at Galatians said, continue doing what is right because in due season you will reap if you faint not. In due season, wait. We sang this morning, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Him. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So, wait on the Lord and bravely run the race till we see Christ. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The blessing that God gives to the meek is that there is a, an overriding peace and rest that rules in our heart because we know God is in control, God is at work in my life, and I can rest in Him. And it is that meekness Strength under control that God, as we submit to Him, God will turn that strength loose to perform to the glory of God. And God will give wisdom to show forth His glory and His power. And that is to be desired in our lives. God, all this that's in me, I want it to be under Your control. I want it to be empowered by you. I want it to be governed by you so that it will be to your glory. You know, what we need in this day where there is a lot of evil going around us is to understand that we need to manifest the spirit of meekness, of that unwavering confidence that God is in control And he will order my steps, and I can trust him. Heavenly Father, we ask tonight that you would help us to grow in the spirit of trust 
in meekness in you. I pray that we would understand that you have raised us up for the times we are in. Times that may be filled with uncertainty. Times that um, may truly test our faith. Times when it may seem that wrong is prevailing. But Lord, may we manifest a spirit of meekness in yielding our rights to you, in submitting to you, and truly having the strength that you've given to be under the control of your spirit. Lord, thank you that you tell us what you desire and expect, and thank you that we can delight in your ways because your ways are perfect. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.